I'm Ashley Cunningham, amateur porn scholar. And I'm Susanna Wilson. I'm sweaty and on my period. And you're in The, the Wet Seat. This week we've got our first male guest on the show. He's a good friend of ours and he's here to talk about masculinity and sex. <laughs> Kite, what did you want to talk about? I mean, uh, when you when you came to me and said uh, that you felt your podcast was mm-hmm. missing um, uh, the, the voice of uh, a dude. A dude. Um, <laughs> to be blunt. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, first of all, I thought, uh, wow, that's a rare sentence to hear. <laughs> <laughs> we we need diversity on the male front. <laughs> and honestly, congratulations for you for creating a space where your biggest problem is a dearth of dudes giving their opinions. Like that's that's <laughs> to be commended in and of itself. <laughs> Uh, my name is Kai Chikosi, and, uh, I'm a person, and a dude, which I suppose is why I'm relevant to this. The only episode. reason, having the nothing only reason. to do with your... Yeah, me or talking or perspectives or whatever, yes. insight and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wisdom. The the brilliant curators of this podcast just went through their Rolodex and was like, let's find a penis that talks. And I was the first one that came up. Proud to be. <laughs> well, uh, uh, when you came to me about dude perspective, like the first thing I thought of was just like the... Because men don't talk about sex very much. Ever. Really? Either to, for for the amount of time that we talk about sex in mm-hmm. quotation marks, this is the exact right. same thing. Because um, uh, I've I've actually been having a version of this conversation a lot recently because um, I'm a, an actor and uh, <laughs> it's it's the same exact phenomena that's present in um, our cultural production in that we have a lot of stories about white people mm. and very few stories about whiteness mm. right mm-hmm. so uh in the same way uh you know we have this cultural convention like oh dudes always talk about sex right. like or whatever <laughs> but like men very rarely talk about sex either to each other or to their partners because of uh the kind of constraints of masculinity in its various forms it's the same uh, kind of systems that result in men kind of putting so much of their uh, emotional social baggage on their uh, female romantic partners because right. they don't have that in their male friendships. Why? Yeah. And the much discussed difference between, um, you know, male female relationships or female female friendships and male male friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, this goes back to like Jesus camp a little bit. Jesus camp. But like, Wait, when I think okay. about Jesus camp. Pause. Pause. You have to introduce where this is coming from. Jesus camp. Actually, Everyone's been no. to Jesus camp. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> not everyone has been to Jesus camp. Kai and I grew up in the DMV. We have not been to Jesus, Jesus camp. So Please I grew up in Arkansas. Ju- there we go. And uh, in Arkansas, uh, we have Jesus camp. <laughs> and in Jesus camp, uh, I went from third grade until the 10th grade. And as a part of Jesus camp, oh we learned, like, once you got to a certain age, like, eighth, ninth, 10th grade, 
um, all the older female counselors would sit all of the older women down Mm. and we would talk about relationships and like sex and like whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, all absence, only fun education, whatever. But also the idea that, uh, men can never truly be your emotional equal was what I was taught. Whoa. Oh yeah. I was taught that can men can can never truly understand mm. how you're feeling. Can never be your emotional like can never understand things. You can't expect of them wow. to oh. to be meet emotionally you. intelligent enough to understand to yeah, to meet yes. you where you are. Right. Yeah. So I was taught that in Jesus camp. Oh no. And a lot of people are taught this in like different ways, shapes and yes. forms, like whatever. Oh but yeah. But what I'm saying is like, so I'm not saying this is what I believe, but what I'm saying is I still to it's this day yeah. take with me this idea that if so, like if I want to communicate about sex and like what my needs are and like mm. whatever, mm-hmm. I have to somehow like build a bridge. Right. Right, right, right. Because right. there's no way in hell. The, the onus of, of that educational responsibility is on you because yeah, you are totally. the, the more uh, apt. Yeah. Poor, poor little Chad can't, uh, <laughs> I'm assuming, uh, <laughs> can't possibly be asked to have been on the level that you are. Absolutely not. Of, yeah. And well, I mean, as much as you make fun of that dynamic, and, and rightly so because... You know, it's it's bullshit to to expect that you know men won't be in, emotionally intelligent enough mm. to converse on your level. Right. I have been in so many relationships, right. romantic or otherwise, where I mean, I mean, like constantly in the in the workplace or in mm. numerous situations in my everyday life where I, as the woman in the room, am asked. Mm? without being asked, to bear the emotional burden of X, Y, Z. And that doesn't necessarily, you know, that's not necessarily in an explicit way. Sure. But it can even be as subtle as, like, accommodating other people and making other people feel comfortable and taken care of because I am emotionally intelligent enough to see where everyone is at and to negotiate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the expectation of the marginalized, yeah. too. It's not only to educate the non-marginalized, but also to take care of their yeah. feelings. Because how are mm-hmm. they supposed to know? Because they don't have to deal with this all the time. Yeah. And you've been conditioned to, and therefore you're in a better position to. And it's not that's not wrong, because mm-hmm. you both have been conditioned right. in those ways. And so often there is a, a dearth in ability or skill in... in mm-hmm. um, in conversing the in those yeah. issues and and yet the expectation is like well of course and it's and it's mm-hmm. always wrapped in this in this uh idea that you articulated from jesus camp of like <laughs> well men just can't and right. I, when you said that like my instinct was to like be like for all our our <laughs> listeners <laughs> on on the east coast particularly in the northeast we're like oh ha, ha, ha. that sounds like arkansas classic arkansas cheese dip and backwards social mores whatever right, cheese dip might be real, the cheese dip part, the is, cheese real. Dip part is real the social mores are everybody mm-hmm. because and I'm particularly sensitive to this just having uh uh <laughs> <laughs> been uh, away from the 
to my former proximity to the Mason Dixon line the past yeah. six years is a definite <laughs> uh, urge um, for people in uh, these uh, liberal coastal bubbles to mm-hmm. to uh, sniff at mm-hmm. um, the center and south of the country in terms of. A, a as broad, if it isn't millions of people, and also as if it isn't a ton of people, uh, but also as if like their shit is any different yeah. at all. It's it's not even that like Jesus Camp is like a, a more extreme version mm-hmm. of the subtle thing that right. happens in Cambridge, Massachusetts. No, it's the exact same fuck. What I just described, a lot of people experience exactly Absolutely. whether it and, came from Jesus Camp or not. Yeah. Right, and I lived in in both. Uh, Boston and uh, the D.C. area as a, as a kid, and it happened um, in different language in the two different mm-hmm. places, but mm-hmm. in the exact same way and to the exact same extent, like, we all received this lesson that, uh, <laughs> I feel like it starts with that classic, really innocuous-seeming line that girls <laughs> develop faster than boys, and it mm-hmm. sounds like it's a, mm-hmm. a, a compliment, right. and... Yeah. and I'm I'm sure there are elements of that that is true, but the reason why that phrase is so pervasive and we've all heard it in our lives is not yeah. because it's some small, subtle physiological reality. It also goes towards explaining uh, the first steps in our understanding of why uh, it makes sense that women should be more emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. than men, and that leads to the later, you know, when you graduate from fifth grade to sixth grade health class or something like that. If you have health class. It's the it's the step from right. oh girls develop faster than boys and then the next step of yeah. that is oh well you know girls are just you know a lot more mature than boys and sometimes it even evolves to that weird level where it's like further phrased as if it's pro woman but it's actually ultimately kind of subtly anti woman like right. oh girls are so much smarter than boys is such a fucking cop out like. <laughs> and, and I'm not I'm not saying that as a universal thing I'm saying that like strictly in that middle school sense yeah. where we learn it where it's like oh my god like you know middle school girls are so smart and middle school boys are so dumb they're the same level they have the same capacity right. for intelligence mm-hmm. right but yeah. we just we set it in at that base level that it's okay that boys don't really get it because boys will be boys well and right? also there's this strange like bound up in that oh, girls, you know, develop faster than boys mentality is, like, a reassurance in your 11-year-old boy that just because your 11-year-old girl counterpart has boobs and is now (laughs) five inches taller than you, like, don't worry. It's only because the girls develop faster and you little tiny boy soon to be a man will eventually be bigger and taller and stronger than her, you know? Like, there's also that. In yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, there are a lot of levels to it, and and the best the best um, lies or the best things that are told um, to perpetuate systems of control right, have right. kernels of of truth mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. All I was saying was that the um, uh, uh, <laughs> the kernel of truth is important to perpetuating uh, uh, these lies, and the fact that like right. mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, women generally hit puberty before boys do, mm-hmm. and the fact that, um, f- you know, for, and the very true fact that women are really fucking smart, and that our general societal narrative undermines that. So, like, when people affirm that for, like, middle schoolers, that's a positive thing yeah. to be like, 
girls are fucking yeah. smart and boys are fucking dumb. There is mm-hmm. something powerful and important in that because it runs counter to our narrative that yeah. like men are ultimately mm-hmm. the thinkers and the doers and the right. shakers like of our women civilization. Are ultimately yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So and and because there's something important in saying that and something important in saying that to young kids that's why that's kind of the protective layer around right. the insidious inner core which mm-hmm. is this is also putting in the first level of uh our understanding that it's normal that there's a differentiation between the innate abilities and and capacities yeah. um emotionally socially intellectually um between men and women and what they should be expected to do or feel or think or act Deconstructing, like, deconstructing uh, uh, these systems of of power. It's a, mm-hmm. that's a dumb phrase to use for it, but like what? deconstructing these systems of power are are complicated, and I feel like that's not by accident. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's why the this intertwining of like valid, good, important mm-hmm. messaging and insidious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, damaging messaging is so important and why that's so seminal to our understanding of how we learn um issues of of gender issues of race because you know if it were just like a binary like we're just telling people lies that we can later expose as just lies Mm -hmm. or the way that we rub it in there's no plausible deniability there's no um and then you can just change it wholesale but when you intertwine the two when it gets messy and complicated and right. intersectional that's where um the inability to come away with a clean this is team good guy this is team right. bad guy kind mm-hmm. of narrative yeah. um prevents the progress that could be made in in uh decentralizing maleness or whiteness or whatever mm-hmm. yeah i have a tangent question roll with it Okay. Tangent question. Do you feel like you experience sex differently than like your female partners who who you've had sex with? Like, well, and I I mean, I'm also curious about the intersection of race and yeah. like how how does being have I experienced a a differential between um the uh emotional communication abilities of men and women as it pertains to my sexual life like with my sexual partners have they been able that is my question to articulate mm. um you know sexual quandaries and, and facilitate communication in a way that was different than mm-hmm. mine? the way that you would yeah right mm. um this may be and and also speaking to that first question may be uh an answer that uh you know <laughs> is not ideal seeing as I I've been brought on the show to speak from the male perspective, but I think in 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 the interest of accuracy, I want to say that I'm uh, not asking you to speak on behalf of all males. No, right, I, no, no, right. yeah, I, nor all people. Right, these I, are individual. I think as an as a as myself, uh, no, not in the in the way that you asked it. I think I. Um, probably, because uh, you were you were talking about you know the differential of of psychoanalysis is applied to sex, like how much you think about right. sex is that is that a gendered experience? 
um, and me as a person who lives his whole goddamn life in his head, no, I can say pretty definitively that I've never had sex with a single person who thought about it more than I did. I've, that's honestly like... Oh. You thought of me the most analytical <laughs> person you know? It's <laughs> like, he's had sex, he's definitely overthought it. I, I mean, like, not exclusively, but you were definitely like you're, one of the per- people who came to mind. It's like, I know, I certainly know men who... Right. And I don't, I don't know, maybe this goes back to our conversation about anxiety, but, like, this, like, talking through and chewing over of a sexual experience, I don't think, and and it seems to be, as you're saying, is not explicit to women. Right. And I think, I think, um, there is also probably a, a, a level here that we could talk about in terms of, um, uh, the intersection of not just, uh, the gender binary, yeah. but also um, the sexual preference spectrum, mm. because mm. that that masculine mm. ideal that mm-hmm. we talked about yeah. earlier is that I'm sure is different when it's um, two men encountering each other in that yeah. scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the the instinct amongst uh, straight men generally, in terms of how much they think about sex. Personally, I would say uh, I think about it as much or more as as the people that I've been with, Mm. but um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily true of my male friends. Um, Mm. um, uh, There's like a spectrum of different um, men in their relationship to an idolization of the male ideal, the male sexual Mm. ideal, the male personal ideal. Is the male ideal, like, sexual perfection? I just want to make sure we're talking in the same language Mm. here. Because, like, if if I think about how I conceptualize what I would would think is, like, the male, uh, whatever. Like, the thing you're supposed to, like, aspire to. uh, Is, I know everything about sex. I am... Stamina. I mean, I that's am, one of the my things. My stamina is great. I'm incredible. I know exactly what to do. I'm hard all the time. Yeah, like, this right is my like what I would think. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if like that's the same kind of like aspirations that you're thinking about. I mean, uh, or is it different aspirations? <laughs> it's it's it's. I'm I'm I guess I'm referring interchangeably both to like the generalized like kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Uh, male ideal and then the right. specific sexual male mm-hmm. ideal yeah. and and they're. Uh, Related and sure. and overlapping and also different, mm-hmm. um, though I think it would be an interesting thing to unpack what both of those are. Like mm-hmm. definitely the male sexual ideal is like, uh, uh, yeah, like I don't I don't care that much. It's it's the, it's it's like Clint Eastwood right. demeanor, right? right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then like unfazed. What yeah, what follows from there is is largely similar to what you can observe in any uh very commercial like porn thing right. because that's yeah. obviously mm-hmm. uh as as Miss Cunningham can let us know is like our <laughs> primary source of education on such uh not just in the initial sense before we've had sex, but right. also after it. Oh right? continuous. Because again we don't I mean, like talk Ugh. about sex that much with our sexual partners or other men. We just continue to. I will say, porn is dramatically different depending on the race of the male that is in the porn, though. 
Like, and well, that is certainly that's a whole different conversation because when I mean also the rights of the woman. But so yes. something interesting from my porn, uh, my gay porn research is actually, and I didn't really talk about it in my TED talk, but I did talk about it in my you thesis. Can only cover so much. I can only talk yeah. about so much, but I will say I think this is an interesting point, which is that uh, when I asked, so I reached out to Pornhub. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Pornhub, help me. Like, I would like to know more information about women who watch gay male porn. Did you type it in the search bar? Or? <laughs> no, I sent them an email to their customer and service. Responded. And they responded. And fucking, like, was it Brent? Brent. Or like, Brett? Brett. Brett from Pornhub responded to me. I'm sorry, <laughs> this Brett. This amazing. Um, yeah, we're outing you now, Yeah, Brett. sorry, Brett. Um, but Brett from Pornhub responded and said, the number one thing that if like women were watching gay male porn they specifically wanted to watch black men having sex and i and i was i was struck by that only because i think that there's a sense of because when i when i also looked at the research around like wow this is totally tangential i don't but care like, keep going uh, when I looked at the research around why women watch gay male porn, a lot of it came from motivations of I can watch aggression without feeling mm. bad about the person who's being aggressed upon. Right. And so when you watch interracial porn or whatever on Pornhub, uh-huh. um, or like gay male porn where like if there's gay male porn and there's a, uh, like a black male performer, mm-hmm. then it's 10 times more aggressive. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the stereotype that's being like, <laughs> right. Oh, we trying to talk about, uh, the specific expectation. We were, we were about to enumerate <laughs> the general male, uh, sexual <laughs> ideal expectation. You want to yeah. talk about, uh, the but we brought generally, in... uh, 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 white expectation of black right. male So that's ideal? what, that's what like, so when like the, the research back for that Brett gave me at Pornhub was, I was like, Interesting. So well, my immediate question then becomes: Who are the women who's watching this porn? Exactly, I have no idea. Is it white women? We can't know. We can't know whether it's white women. Whether we don't know. Right. But uh, I can like. It's just interesting because I think that there is like a there's different different porn norms when mm-hmm. it comes oh, absolutely. to like when it comes to race. Yes, certainly. Yeah. The male, or the masculine ideal in sex, is. Different across races, right? That's what you're gonna. That's what. Uh, you're when specifically portrayed in porn is like yes, based porn. on like what we see. And, this is what we learn. And what I was gonna say yeah. is that like, I you don't up porn, even you know. You hit my hot button. What, how dare you? Honestly, <laughs> just trying to live out that male sexual ideal. Nancy, <laughs> that's my question. Can we call it? And maybe ideal is the right word, but I, I mean, I wonder if. It's not objectively ideal, for sure. Of but course, it is the thing that, that people are... I think are... the ideal is always regression, regardless. Well, I, 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 would say, I would say, if we're talking in general terms about what um, important, the I mean. male sexual uh, ideal or expectation, maybe is a better word, is, it's, it generally has to do with... Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's funny. <coughs> you, you hear the word alpha... Uh, in the in 2016, most often bandied about by uh, uh, racist people on the internet. Yeah. Um, not accidentally, because they are referring back to kind of one of our foundational kind of patriarchal concepts. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, the male sexual ideal is very alpha. It's very domineering. It's always the the 
the top. It's it's mm-hmm. um, aggressive, sensual, but uh, uh, firm. Mm-hmm. Like how how perhaps how uh, you would describe like the ideal seventies man. You right. know what I mean? Ooh. Like it, it seems very like uh, uh, tied into that. Like oh, he's he's strong, but. But caring, but <laughs> between beneath a, and a, a a steely exterior, like he doesn't really show anything on his face, <laughs> but he knows his woman, and like uh, it's it's you know including all these yeah. tropes about like virility and 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 whatever, um, but like in in a nutshell, I would say if if you had to boil down um, the male sexual ideal to like a couple things, it's like. Uh, generally a sense of, of uh, dominance mm-hmm. or aggression, however you want to codify mm-hmm. that. Um, there is a kind of an element of, of detachment, maybe, that's not fully mm-hmm. detached. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not... It's kind of maybe informed by that idea of, like, women are the emotional creatures and right. men it's are engaged not. Yeah. It's solely like, in the pleasure rather like, than in yeah. the Like, I want to I want to see you enjoying this mm-hmm. and you're, you're taking what you want. Mm-hmm. But, like, right. you're not necessarily... It's not about what you're feeling. Right, right. But it's about, I want to see that pleasure, that mm-hmm. pleasure of, of taking what you want yeah. is, like, a, a big part of it. And then there's also the... Uh, we can't talk about male sexual ideal without talking about dicks, yeah. right? And <laughs> it, as the literal and figurative yeah. fulcrum of the male sexual ideal, like it's it's like a big old honking dick. <laughs> and the funny thing, the funniest thing, the thing I was most excited about really coming here to talk about is, <laughs> is the weird like uh, penis thing that men have, which is that like what we want. Uh, for for whatever condition reasons, is like a penis is too big. Like <laughs> we want a penis that's so big that it's uncomfortable for our sexual partners, which is a wild thing if you think about it. We want it to be so big that you're not enjoying yourself as much. That's wild. Like I want to walk in here and I want to take down my pants and I want you to go. Oh no. Oh no. I don't know if I can do this. And then we, that's the best feeling we could possibly have. Is if we pull down our pants oh, and you're like, she's leaving. I don't she's know. Gone. I don't she's know. Done. I don't know if this is going to work. Right. That's, yeah. that's a fucked up thing. Like, female sexual ideal. I've had someone congratulate me for, quote, uh, handling stop. their dick before. Stop. Right, right, like the the male fantasy is very much like I have so much penis that it's a problem for you. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, really, to the point where, like, I'm sure, like, in, in the ideal, like, hypothetical male fantasy, like, it's like, you know, in a world where it's so big that even the male himself can't really get sexual gratification because it's just not built to work like that. But that's an ultimately flattering thing in this fantasy world. You know what I mean? So, uh, (laughs) there's, there, I feel like there's a lot in that. It's, Mm -hmm. a, a lot is explained about our construction of what the ideal man is by the fact that our desire for, that one singular object to the point of right. almost comical mm-hmm. disruption of, of what we supposedly came to accomplish 
mm-hmm. is uh, is kind of the the center of it, and then that's also the the central joke that we make about when we're like taking masculinity down a peg, like mm-hmm. oh <laughs> he's driving a sports car because he has a tiny penis or whatever. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally making up for size. Like it's all about uh, I want to have an aggressively large penis. You know, and actually, I mean, talking to men who do have aggressively large penises, <laughs> when I talk to them about their experience, they're actually kind of sad. Because, uh, people are uncomfortable. Like, you're, you will make your partner uncomfortable. Right. It's painful. Right. And, like, that's something you have to deal with. So, it's, it's, yeah. God, I just have never had that experience. A painfully large penis? No, no, I, well, okay, so. What, what are you? What? <laughs> Well endowed. So that was my first experience of sex, and I was like, well, this is normal. Right. This is like, this is what sex is like. And then the second guy I ever slept with had, like, probably a comparable penis size. But he was, like, impressed. He was like, yo, you took that really well. And I was like, what? And he was mm-hmm. like, he basically was like, I have a big dick. And I was like, oh, yo, I'm seeing bigger. That real, that makes me, uh, think of, this is not related. It makes me think of the dude that I had a one night stand with who oh was God. like, you better not fake it because I'm an actor and I'll know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, right? literally she told me this story me. and I was like. I was like, on behalf of actors everywhere, <laughs> I am First offended all, hold up. and ashamed. Second yeah. of all, what the fuck? Kind of weird ass, like, I'm inside of you, but this is kind of like yeah. a threat. You better not fake it. What? It was fucking weird, and oh, let me man. tell you, I tricked him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like challenge fucking accepted motherfucker. Also, yeah, that's just baiting. Maybe, maybe he plays you. Maybe there was levels to the shit. He knew his dick game was trash, and he was just like, yeah, I can always get a satisfying sexual experience by like daring a woman to outperform my critical eye. I have never in my life pretended to orgasm. What's the point? Not even like a little bit? No, not even. <laughs> not even in like your bit. early years? No. That's no, really no, funny. Going on? That's really funny because even I've done that shit. Wait, I want to hear this. Yeah, hey, I don't think we do that shit. Can I hear this perspective? I don't think that's like a perspective that is usually talked about. I think most people would actually say it's impossible. Impossible? I mean... Uh, Impossible given that we have certain expectations of, like, physiologically what will happen after the male comes. True. Yeah, but, I mean, A, that, I mean, I I, I don't know what your assumption is on that, but I feel like you're assuming unprotected sex where you would, like, have the receipts inside of you at that point. No, I'm not really assuming. If it's a con, you can just slip that thing off, throw it in the trash real quick. Mm. How you gonna know? Who's who's really looking at a used condom very closely <laughs> no, 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 after it comes not, off the penis? I'm not ever. really talking about the condom. I'm talking more about like the aroused state of the penis. Are you saying like this sex is so uninteresting that condom, I'm gonna so pretend to that. come and pull out because I could be like soft in two minutes anyway and she won't notice? Or I mean, 
that also uh, 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 like it's it's not uh, penises don't work uh, in the exact sense of like again how we learn it in middle school like oh once it gets hard like man's got a nut uh, <laughs> type of way really like you can. <laughs> If if the spirit doesn't move you, as as yeah. Mr. Marvin Gaye once said, uh, <laughs> that shit can just go away. Like a, an ejaculation is not necessary mm-hmm. to turn an erect penis into a non-erect penis. True and that. particularly in any situation where <laughs> you as a man are are uh, contemplating uh, faking your orgasm, as I would assume is is the same for a woman faking her orgasm, like. <laughs> Uh, you're probably trying to get to the state of like, ah, I'm not really feeling this. So you're probably har- already halfway to a non-erect penis. Right, right. So it's not like you have a bunch of shit you need to fake, right. really. No. Actually, that reminds me of an important part that we left out of the male sexual ideal. Uh, it's uh, that my penis changes your world. <laughs> it's an important part of it. Is the thing, even if, even Magical if, dick. and there's a lot, I would say the majority of men from, from having, uh, had the limited sexual discussions I have had with my male friends, there's, it would be the majority of men who yeah. are very finely attuned to that. And I would say, uh, speaking from personal experience, maybe the uh, strongest thing to take me out of any sexual experience is worrying that I am not sexually gratifying mm-hmm. my partner, right? Like, and mm-hmm. I, I think I don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's gendered. You guys can no, speak I to that, but I, that as well. I'm, I'm, I've definitely sensed like my sexual partner is being taken out of their own sexual mm-hmm. pressure by wondering where the other person is. Mm-hmm. But like, especially because so much of our um, not just sexual identity, but day-to-day identity is, like, around, like, the 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 magical Willy Wonka nature of our penises and <laughs> the joy that it can bring the world. Um, you know, the idea that it, it doesn't or it's not is just a particularly yeah. deflating in every sense of the word kind of uh, uh, thought or feeling, mm-hmm. right? But I, I feel like that's that the fact that we all understand... Uh, that that's a part of the male sexual construction is part of the reason why so many people who are sexual partners of males feel the compunction to fake it for them because it's clearly important to them that the other person feel something while they're on their way to getting their very boring robotic piston thrust nut. See, my response to that is that, like, I would so much rather have my potential male sexual partner be maybe self-conscious is the word in the moment and say like, Oh, she wasn't satisfied. If it meant that. And You're I'm asking not, a lot. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold, 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 let me, let me, let me say what I'm, I'm going to say. And then we can go back because I'm not necessarily talking about one night stands either, but like I would much rather <laughs> be honest and just like, have the sexual experience that I have, not faking anything. And then if I could have had like a more pleasurable experience to say to that person, like, Hey, next time maybe we can try this. Or like, 
Is that so crazy ideal? That sounds very enlightened of you. Uh, <laughs> to the point where I think it's a lie. If we are seeking to grant sexual pleasure to mm -hmm. our female sexual partners, um, there is a desire to generally do that. There is also the uh, general reality amongst um, most uh, males in our culture that like... <laughs> If you have enough confidence in your penis like that, she just does the work for it. It's just like, mm -hmm. wow, you got blessed by this dick. And it great. I have met uh, people like that. Maybe so, that's like, those the problem. Exist, Maybe I've slept with too many people like that. Yeah. With like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably a sliding scale just based on like how they feel about how about magical their, their penis is. Yeah. <laughs> and then people don't feel like super magical about their penises are like... I don't know, I have to, like, do all the things to compensate for the fact that my penis isn't magic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. And if you'd like to support the creation of even more episodes, you can do it two different ways. You can be a monthly contributor on our brand spankin' new Patreon page, or if you consider yourself a one-night stand, you can always pick up some merch, maybe a sticker, in our Redbubble store. Both of those links are in the episode description. And thanks, as always, to Billy Coles, editor and producer, and Rebecca Todaro, who does our podcast artwork. We'll see you guys next time. Stay wet. <laughs>